Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm Chris Gould, wholesaling and entrepreneurial expert. The Level 10 Podcast is focused on interviewing top entrepreneurs across multiple industries to identify what makes their businesses successful. Head over to level10official.com to learn about our courses, coaching, and much more. Hi, welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. My name is Chris Gould, and this is the place to elevate your business. I'm super excited to have our guest here today, Spence Purnell. He's a director of technology policy at the Reason Foundation, and he's been there for six years. And he also has a master's in public administration from FSU. Um, Spence is an expert in technology policy. So I'm really excited to talk to him today. Spence, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chris, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, really excited to have you here. Um, so let's let's kind of just jump right into to things here. I, I read the article that you wrote recently, social media companies are free to make bad decisions. And, right. um, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're on social media a lot, reading stuff, networking. And then when you go on to these news sites, you hear a lot of talk about censorship and certain viewpoints being stifled. And I'm just curious your perspective on that. Sure. So, you know, I, I sort of look at this as a, <clears throat> I really do look at it as a free speech issue. And I think as business owners, um, you know, I think most business owners should understand that, you know, you are in charge of your message and it's your firm's you know, priority to promote whatever message that they see fit. Um, I think a really good court case that a lot of people don't know about, or maybe 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 more people do than I know, but um, about a parade uh, in Boston in the 90s. And it was a, um, you know, more conservative group that traditionally had been holding the parade. And one year, a gay rights group applied to be in the parade. Okay, it's not the internet, it's not social media, but I think the court looked at that case as saying, you know, do the do the organizers of the parade have a right to curate the message the way that they see fit? You know, and I think that a law forcing the, a, you know, a parade that was, you know, intended to promote traditional values to promote progressive values. I think essentially nullifies the whole point of being able to curate a message because you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to if there was a law forcing you to, you know, include something in your speech that you otherwise didn't want to, um, you know, that would essentially result in compelled government speech. So, you know, we say social media companies are free to make mistakes because they might be promoting a message one way or the other. Um, but you don't have to agree with that message, you know, um, and it's a it's it's a tough situation because businesses are using it for marketing and a lot of people are using it for personal reasons as well. But I still don't think it changes the fundamental constitutional situation that we face in our country. Um, and so, you know, I, I could I could go on, you know, a lot of people think that social media companies are like common carriers, you know. Um, which is different. A common carrier is more like a utility, like an electricity company. Like, can a company turn your electricity off because they disagree with your political views? Like, <laughs> you know, you know, certain things like that, I think are a little bit different. And I think that's how people feel, right? They feel like someone's turning the lights off in their house because they said they voted for Trump or they didn't vote for Trump or whatever, you know? Um, but I think 
that feeling is because people are too caught up in like political sensationalism. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, um, you know, you're using a software product for your own enjoyment or for the advancement of your business. If you don't like the way that product's being handled or promoted, you know, you can always withdraw from it and try mm. to find other avenues to supplement your business. Um, so it's, can, but, I, you know, can I ask you about that Spence, just before yeah. we go on? So the argument of, social media companies being like a utility to me seems pretty weak because it's not essential to your everyday existence like electricity or water is. Exactly. I think, and I think that's the idea. Um, you know, there's certain things that kind of elevate to that level of like, you know, and there's, and there's a healthy debate to be had there about where that level, you know, where that line should and could be drawn. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely things like social media, you know, that's, definitely doesn't rise to the level of, of a public utility, um, you know, and, and, and I think, it, 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 like I said, it just, it comes down to, um, you know, being able to promote the kind of speech that you want to be able to. And beyond that, I think it's beyond, you know, it's between the companies and the consumers to, I know none of us like it and it's super long, confusing or whatever, but there's YouTube people that break it down and, you know, get into the terms of service, figure out what you have, what rights do you have on the platform? What are they doing with your data? I think a lot of people use it and assume one thing or the other, but they don't actually, you know, it's a funny thing that economists like study or whatever, you know, people will say they value something really high, but then you ask them to, you know, click one box and they're like, oh yeah, I don't have time for that. You know, so it's like, is it, is it, it's, it's I think it's, you know, what economists would call like a revealed preference. Like you, people can say, that something's really important to them, but they reveal their preference through their behavior in the market, mm. you know? And so I think that's kind of what's going on a little bit is that people are unhappy with the way the companies and the services are being run, but like, they're not that unhappy because they're not getting off it. Right. right. Like why does, why would, why does a business need to advertise on social media? Because that's where the customers are. People are there, right? Like if people weren't there anymore, you wouldn't need social media. You would, go to the next medium that people were existing in in the online space, which is big and we just started building it. You know what I mean? So I think people are looking at social media like this is a fundamental building block. You know, I saw somebody say the other day, like Facebook was probably the AOL of social media. Like it's on its way out. It's going to mm. die. Mm. You know, all these companies will probably die out at some point, you know, and it'll change and it'll evolve. And um, what makes you say that about Facebook being the AOL of these times? Because I think AOL was so early on the scene that they failed to adapt to the times appropriately. And we could be seeing the same thing with Facebook in real time. Guess what? People don't like when you kick them off Facebook for saying that they don't want to get the vaccine or whatever the, you know, whatever the example is, turns out that really turns people off, you know, like you should have been a little bit different with your privacy policies. And that's why we say social media companies are free to make mistakes because maybe they are making a mistake right now. You know, maybe they're making a huge mistake. And, and you see these efforts, you know, for a conservative social media, you know, as a libertarian, I think a lot of libertarians are excited about cryptographic technology and decentralized technology. Um, you know, being a part of spaces where, you know, there's no central authority or whatever, stuff like that. Another social media company I bring up a lot in these, but that never gets targeted because it isn't big enough yet, but is Reddit. 
you know, like Reddit's a very curated place. Like the mods in Reddit are super strict. You know what I mean? So it's not, you know, content moderation is almost like kind of a necessary part of, you know, content curation. You can't have a subreddit about golf and have someone posting baseball highlights all the time. You know, it's, it's going to ruin the message that you're curating. Someone has to watch the content and say, this doesn't fit with what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. you know and at the end of the day facebook's a company just trying to make profit um you know they're not providing a public service they're providing a good service that people can consume Um, right and and i i sense that there's a real sense of entitlement that folks have to using facebook like it is a utility because it's free it's almost like they think it's a government-sponsored program that they get access to and You know, today I was on there looking at buying some ads for a course that we're publishing and it makes you remember, oh no, this is just so you can input all your preferences as a user and advertisers can target you so specifically. That's what this whole thing is about. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's what the whole thing is about. It's a business, you know, it's like the whole thing is a business and uh, you know, Facebook could be stepping in it right now. They could be messing up. You know, you guys were the market leaders. You're out in front. You're the first people in the space. You know, they're going through it in real time. You know, people don't like, um, you know, being taken off or whatever. A good example I'll show is that uh, Ron Paul was deplatformed from YouTube for a while, right? When the vaccine started, if people don't know who Ron Paul is, he's a very famous libertarian figure. He's run for president many times. He was a congressman from Texas for over 20 years. So he's a very illustrious political career. Uh, and his YouTube got taken down. Uh, but, you know, so, so I think a lot of libertarians were kind of watching that, like, okay, like, this is kind of the point. Like, are they going to treat Ron Paul unfairly? Or, you know, you know, so we got an inside look at how they would, and, you know, they reviewed his case and reinstated him, you know? So I think, they are making mistakes. They are banning people that they shouldn't, but they're figuring out how to reckon, you know, they can't not do it, but they also don't really have the solution yet. It's something between terms of service versus a resolution. You know, the answer is not really there yet. And guess what? If I were an entrepreneur instead of a policy analyst, I'd be in Silicon Valley building the algorithm that gives people what they want and becoming the next billionaire or whatever, you know, and that financial incentive is so strong that that's why markets work. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why a, you know, dynamic competitive economy produces better results because there's a huge financial incentive to innovate the next wave of things that solves the problem that everyone's upset about right now. Mm -hmm. We as a society just have to choose whether we want to, bring the hammer down and use the force of law to solve a problem or be more patient and let markets work and figure things out. And, you know, I think really leverage our power as consumers, you know, consumers really underestimate how valuable their attention and their time is, Mm -hmm. you know, they just sort of dish it out, you know, be more, be more precise about, you know, what you look at and where you spend your time online and what sources you're looking at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you mentioned something just a moment ago there about giving the power over to government to be involved in any way with content moderation. And can you just talk about why you see that as, as dangerous, if that's what you believe? Yeah, sure. Because I think using the parade example, right? Like, um, you know, I think, 
you know, I think so far it's been mostly conservatives that are upset about getting kicked off social media. So I like this example because if you're coming from a conservative standpoint, think about it this way, um, you know, you're, you're starting a Christian website or a conservative website or something that has a very, you know, intended theme or whatever, you know, it would amount to, you know, people that oppose you being able to come to your website and post something or comment something. And rather than you being the moderator of that content, um, you would have to appeal to a government regulator, you know, and that's a small scale example, you know, and I think if we had a laws on the book that said you couldn't content moderate, you know, you'd have someone coming to your website posting, you know, Satanist memes, or, you know, if you're a conservative, they're posting, you know, liberal stuff or whatever, and there's nothing you could do about it. There's nothing you could do about it. Your website would, would devolve into that because as long as there's some kind of user interaction, you know, it's the only way this wouldn't apply is if you just have a perfectly static website and there's no way for people to interact with it. But as long as there's some form of interaction, it's always going to be subject to platform law. Um, and then you take that scale and think about Facebook and Instagram and all the stuff that's out there. What it's effectively going to do is create another big government bureaucracy that all it does all day is just evaluate cases. Is this company... Um, you know, is this company kicking people off their platform for political speech or for, you know, and what's really scary, and I think the, the vaccine thing is awesome, is that it's like, you don't even know yet. Like, what happens in 10 years when the next big political event happens and the government says, you all need new ID cards or you all need this or that or whatever. You know, if it, you know, I, I just feel like what speech will be allowed online will be curated by the government. Maybe you can't dissent from that. But you know what I mean? Like, I just think that's that's kind of another risk. You know what I mean? Is that getting the government involved might mean like if you think Facebook's in the government's pocket now, wait until there's a giant bureaucracy in D.C. that's staffed with ex Facebook people and ex Google people. That's, you know, people run, you know, that's how unfortunately that's what happens in government a lot. You know, government's just a collection of people. They're people that come from the private sector. They go in and out. Um, so I think there's a really bad chance for corruption and cronyism and favoritism, um, you know, beyond all the other issues I've, I've mentioned. But, you know, yeah, I just feel like, it, it, you know, you'll have th those are a couple scenarios, you know, mm -hmm. themed websites that have any kind of interaction. Forget it because you're going to get, you know, shit posters and spammers and whoever come to your site. and There's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop them. You're going to have to host it. Mm. Um, you know, and then if there's any kind of government program like vaccines or whatever, you know, they're going to change the law and say, oh, you can't dissent this or this type of speech isn't allowed. You know, you're going to have much more, I think, curl tail of speech in that sense. So those are, I think, a few of the risks of mm. passing on that authority to the government. Well, the uh, I've seen rumblings of a misinformation board. Right. Right. Can you can you just talk about that and like how realistic that is that that would become a, a real thing here for us you know i don't politically i don't know how realistic it is you know like whether that will have political power and where that will go i can't necessarily say but i can tell you that it's a terrible idea <laughs> that it's, yeah. you know, it's exactly what you're you know it's, it's very it's very dystopian um you know having a government board decide hey this is what's true and this is what's not you know, I think half the purpose of social media is to have kind of a debate like that's, you know, if you've ever been on Twitter, you know, 
you know, you're going to get a lot of different viewpoints when you post something, you know? Um, so, and I, and, I, and I understand, I know that's how people feel now, right? Like you can't say, speak out against the vaccine or you can't speak out against COVID or whatever, you know? But I think, you know, people have to realize again, you know, we're in the beginning stages of social media, you know, and the misinformation board might be, I'd rather have it decentralized among the boards of several private companies than have the board be a government boardroom that has more legal authority and can tax and fine and take people to court and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a, like I said, you know, these companies respond, right? Like, you know, when Facebook sees they lost 25 million users and their quarterly reports are down and their quarterly ad revenues down, like they're, they're going to make changes. You know what I mean? They're not, you know, and that's, and that's a positive side of capitalism. You know what I mean? That's a good thing that, you know, we should be pointing out about capitalism is that, you know, we have their attention. We have accountability metrics that are much more direct than a board in, in Washington, D.C. It's much harder to signal to that board, hey, I like this. I don't like this. You know, a wide variety of companies, you can say, well, I like using Reddit, but not Facebook. And I like Instagram, but not Snapchat, you know, and I think those choices will continue to proliferate and offer people, you know, what they want. And it's up to consumers to sort of pick through the market mm. and say, here's the social media experience that I like or whatever, you know, so. Um, yeah, that's, that's, it's such an important piece to point out. Private companies are motivated by profits. So yeah. they're looking for efficiency increases in revenue constantly. And with that, on the flip side, government is, in my opinion, concerned with increasing its power. Like that's what people right. in government are concerned with. So when we hand it over to them, power does not decrease. It only wants to increase in the way that the government gets its tentacles into things. And um, I just think that that's an important point to kind of mention. 100%. And that's just an incentive thing. Like I said, government's just made full of people. They're all career oriented. They're all ambitious. You know, uh, the bigger the budget that you run and the more programs you run, that's a good thing if you have a career in government. Um, you know, all you have to do is work in government one year and, you know, it's like a feeding trough. You know, every agency shows up and says, well, we need 1.5 billion. We need 1.7 billion. We need 22, you know, and each one of those people represents, you know, a group of people that have a vested interest in advancing that organization. Um, you know, it would be like the CEO coming into the boardroom and being like, all right, we're going to take profits down this year. You know, like no, nobody wants to decrease their budget. Everyone wants to grow their budget. So, you know, it's kind of like a problem of the commons. You know what I mean? Everyone's focused on their own, you know, that's not really, a, that's not really that issue. But, you know, everyone's so focused on their own agency that, no one's really watching the whole thing just expand and expand. And, you know, everyone's so focused on their own agency and thinking that expanding their own agency is good. And then, you know, you kind of have this bloat going on at the larger mm -hmm. level. Now we've got education and transportation and all these different areas where, you know, there's thousands of government regulators and rule makers and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's, it's interesting to look at it from that angle. You mentioned earlier um, that we're in our infancy with, using social media. And I think that that's lost on people that yeah. like, this is so new. I mean, you and I being in our early thirties, we saw that transition happen, but I mean, we're just learning how to use and interact with this technology. Can you just talk about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's obviously a very potent, powerful idea. You know, everyone gets their own digital avatar and we can all go online and interact with each other in different ways, you know? Um, I think that's like the fundamental idea, you know, social media is just the current way that we, you know, go online and, and interact with each other. Um, and I, and I just feel like, you know, even, even, even the internet is, is relatively young, you know, people forget that even in the early two thousands, there was no video on the internet. Like there was no video going on mm -hmm. and that was 20 years ago. So, you know, now we're all the way to live streaming and videos everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's come so far so fast you know i think like any technology like most technologies that have come along like that there's definitely some learning curves and some roadblocks and some issues that you know arise um and frankly you know people learning how to interact with it healthy like i you know i was uh, talking with someone the other day about like food history and dietary history and stuff like that you know sometimes when new foods come out or like cigarettes you know so you know a good new product that's extremely popular or whatever um you know sometimes there's a good side to it and it carries on people using it and it's and it's good people find the moderate level you can't eat sugar all day or whatever but you can have a little bit here and there it's okay cigarettes oh well those are really not good you probably shouldn't have those so those are going away you know so it's like but the cigarette process isn't a 10-year process you know we don't just pass a law that says no cigarettes and then cigarettes are gone you know, think about prohibition. You don't just pass a law and say, hey, this problem's gone. The problem will persist regardless, you know, mm -hmm. just what do we want? Do we want the government involved? And I think the internet is one of the last places where we don't have the government involved. Like that's what people got people so excited about the internet in the first place was it felt very free. It felt very distant. Hey, you can't control me here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't you can't tell me what to do here. I have a level of freedom online that I don't have in person um, in a way. You know, I can go places and see things and meet people that I otherwise never would in my real life. And mm -hmm. I think we can't, we can't lose that. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't lose that. We can't panic. You know, we got to keep it together, guys. We got to keep it together. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, just yeah. so, it's just so early. People have to develop healthy habits of how to interact with the internet. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. know that we're there yet is kind of what I'm saying. You mentioned to me before this interview, this idea of like trading off the long-term freedom of using these services and the internet in general for this short-term like political win of like, they can't control conservative people. So let's put this moderation up. And can you just talk about that trade-off of like immediate gratification, but long-term we lose more of our rights? uh yeah sure um you know an example that i think about a lot and I'm sure resonates with a lot of people is like drug war you know the government decides one day hey you can't have this you can't have that now we're in a 60 year long thing that most people disagree with and we're you know we've spent all this money and what are we really doing you know i think it has that type of potential you know what i mean like hey we started this program 50 years ago because we thought you know online speech was being you know, threatened or something, you know, and, 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 and that might make people feel better now. I think, I think if you're a libertarian, it's maybe the way people feel about like the FDA, you know, like 
it's supposed to protect you in the short run. Like don't eat food that's rotten or bad or whatever. The FDA makes sure you don't have, you know, dangerous food or dangerous medical products or whatever. But I think there's another group of people who take a look back and say, well, is the, is the, you know, clunky burdensome process to go through the FDA in the long run, is that making us healthier or sicker? You know what I mean? Cause most of the stuff they approve is good, but it has to go through this long process. We would have had it sooner. You know, so is the net gain good for society or are we losing out? It's, it's really hard to say, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to say. It's hard for me to sit up here and empirically prove. I mean, I know some libertarians and economists that will, you know, they have all the data and say, hey, look, if we had no FDA, you know, and we just people were allowed to put these type of products straight into the market. X number of lives would be saved or, wow. you know, X number of conditions would have been cured or whatever. Um, and there's tons of examples like that. Right. So I think it's, I don't know, it feels the same way to me, you know, like mm-hmm. it feels the same way. Like it might make you feel better right now to think, Hey, um, you know, if I go online and post, you know, I hate Donald Trump, like someone's going to make sure that that message gets out there. You know what I mean? That might work right now, but 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you know, how much speech are they looking at? I mean, I think, you know, the sheer volume of requests that I'm sure people would put in like, Hey, this got taken down. It shouldn't have this got, you know, you know, um, Oh my I God, it would get that, crazy. So it would, fast. It would get crazy, but you know, I've, I've written several times. I think more realistically is you're going to have this mass chilling effect that I don't know what it is. As soon as companies know, Hey, you know, I can get in trouble if I don't, comply with this law correctly social media is going to change a lot you know they're not it's not going to maybe be how it is now they're going to change it so that they protect themselves from that liability and like is that good for us like is that good for the consumers because that's ultimately what it's about like is it are you helping us or hurting us you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so if you make a law that fundamentally changes social media in a worse way like, okay, maybe some people's posts got put up that shouldn't have. They made a couple mistakes and you came in and corrected that. Okay, but look at the net negative effect that you're having now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people really have to consider that, um, that, there, that, that there could be a long-term net negative, even if some small problems are solved by passing a law right mm-hmm. now. You know, like it's... Yes it still has the chance to be a net negative for us in the long run. I think it's a likelihood of being a net negative for us. Yeah. Speaking uh, about sort of the future as we move forward, like it seems to me that there's pretty tremendous opportunity here with this friction between the public and social media companies. What do you see? You know, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but 10, 20 years from now, what, what could you imagine uh, arising because of that friction that exists now? And the you know, limited number of players, I think, also plays into that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, you know, my personal opinion is that it looks something like Reddit married to Web3. Like it's a decentralized but privately moderated network, you know? Like, like can you, can you explain what Web3 is, by the way, for those folks that don't know, including me? web3 is just basically the idea that we all that it's like decentralized online you know so right now you have a facebook profile but it's more or less centrally managed by facebook's server system you know so if facebook wants to turn you off they turn you off 
you know, I think decentralized advocates would say, you know, they, they picture more something where like Facebook's maybe one service that you post on, but you have a profile that's decentrally hosted by many different servers. So there's not one person that could like turn you off, you know, mm, like there's okay. not one person that could shut off your whole digital ecosystem, maybe just one now, which, you know, honestly, the point I'm trying to make is the current internet's not that different from that. You know what I mean? Like you sign up and delete Facebook, you can sign up and delete snap, you know, you, you can come and go as you please, you know, you don't, you don't have to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have options you have you have multiple different options mm -hmm. so i think it's it's something like that you know web3 idea it's decentralized no one person could really take you off but also i like talking about reddit because reddit's you know very strictly moderated but it's all private you know and there's a level there's there's different levels in the group like some groups are very very tightly moderated extreme 90% of the comments are deleted, you know, like barely anything is allowed to be wow. posted. You know, if you're not a PhD historian or a PhD etymologist or something, you know, we don't want you posting in the group. Like this is only for, or, or whatever, you know, um, versus groups that are, you know, cat memes, you know, there's four and a half million people in it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just silly. You know, it's just dumb. There's not a lot of content moderation going on in there, mm -hmm. you know, but I think, you know, without, without content moderation, social media and the internet will turn into spam and junk. You know, there has to be somebody watching it saying, you know, no one's abusing it. You know, you, you have, you, some, somebody has to watch it, you know, uh, or else I think the whole thing would just devolve into to spam and, and like clutter. So in my personal opinion, like if that was just me opining, like it's, it's something like that, right? Like, mm -hmm. You have this decentralized profile that one person can't turn off, but you can visit these, you can visit dozens, hundreds of different, you know, Facebooks, online groups, you know, that are related to content. You know, you have your golf channel and your, you know, your football channel and your, you know, politics channel and your food channel and your real estate channel, you know, and you have different areas where you get the content. Like, if you think about it right now, your Facebook feed is just one giant mashup of everything. It's, you know, you go from your friend's wedding picture to a cake, to an ad for a Harley to, you know, it's just like, sometimes I'm on social media and I'm just like, it's such wide variation of topics that I'm just like, I, you know, you know you're, I'm not, it's hard for me to be interested, yeah. you know? And I think if my, in my opinion, that's how people will feel. I didn't want to go from looking at cute cat videos to listening to you complain about Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? And I want somebody moderating my feed to make sure that you don't get in there. Mm, yeah. And I don't want it to be the government. Right. Right. Like we have to find a better solution than there's a bureaucracy in DC that, you know, Hey, you know, I know this is a golf group, but you can't discriminate or whatever. So, you, you know, a cat video doesn't hurt anyone. So you have to post it in here. Like who wants an internet like that? You know what I mean? Where you have, where you're forced to host any content because you can't discriminate, Yeah. you know, or, or worse, like you're saying, they're going to eventually decide with the misinformation board, Hey, here's what you're allowed to post and here's what you're not. Yeah. And I think that should scare a lot of people. That should scare a lot of, cause we just went through this. Like we just went through it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, that's the, these are some 
real like core libertarian views on things. Would you agree with that? Obviously. Yeah. 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 And so when I tell someone I'm a libertarian and I explain it in a little bit of detail, a lot of people say, wow, oh, that's me. Or I really like (laughs) that view. Could you just kind of talk about how uh, libertarianism is different from being conservative or being liberal in sort of this current sense of those words? Sure. I would say, I think the biggest, in my mind, the biggest difference between conservatives and libertarians is sort of their willingness to use government to advance their value system. Because I think, you know, think libertarian, you know, I think libertarians and conservatives oftentimes share a lot of the same values, you know, it's a a lot of overlap in values of of hard work, limited government, you know, individual autonomy, uh, you know, stuff like that. I think there's, there's a lot of overlap. Um, But I definitely think that especially in the last 10 years, you know, it appears that conservatives have been much more willing really not even, I mean, since the drug war, you know, conservatives have been willing to, you know, solely out the full force of government to impose a value judgment on people's lives. You shouldn't do drugs. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that, you know? Um, so I think that's, and here, and here we are again with social media, you know, it's conservatives now, which it's kind of mind baffling sometimes, but it's conservatives that are coming forward and saying, you know, we need a government agency to make these companies behave the way we want them to behave. We don't like the values that they promote because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You know, these companies like admit it, like some of these, most of these companies are run by liberal California people. Like that's their values. That's their views. You might disagree with them, but you don't have a right to come in and use the government and say, you have to do it my way. It's literally the exact thing that they're complaining about happening to them is what they're trying to do back. Exactly. It's, it's kind of the irony and the hypocrisy of it is that you claim you're for limited government, but then when the chance arises to, you know, stick it to the libs or whatever, you know, they take it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think that's what, politics does to people you know what i mean it's more about winning and losing than what's right for the principle you know um and i would say as it comes to you know those more liberal californian people i mean just it's a it's a you know traditional answer but you know liberals and libertarians mostly agree on social policy so things like drug legalization and gay marriage and you know things like that are issues that libertarians and democrats have been advocating for for you know well over 50 years together you know um not always unified message but um you know there's a lot of overlap there you know and increasingly chris you know i meet uh you know democrats who are who i agree with on most social issues and they're very moderate economically you know maybe they want a little more taxes or you know a little more licensing than i would want or whatever but you know, they're, they're pretty market friendly people at the end of the day, you know, they believe in free markets, they believe in the power of markets um, to drive the economy forward. So it's sometimes it's like, you know, do I have more in common with that person or a conservative, you know, sometimes I wonder, um, and that's changed a lot in the last 
in the last 10 years, you know? Um, and so I would just say that's generally a, a libertarians have a much more, you know, I do me, you do you attitude and conservatives kind of have more of a nationalistic, like, Hey, we're in this together. Like you have to carry your load. I have to carry my load. And, you know, if I don't like the way you're doing it, I'm going to come crack the whip. Hey, you know, do, do this the right way. You know, mm. whereas libertarians are, I think are much more open to alternative lifestyles and stuff like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Which makes us, I think, better governors because, you know, we, you know, if libertarians ran the government, you wouldn't have had the, you know, you wouldn't have had all these horrible laws that have ruined people's lives over looking back what, because people wanted to smoke weed and get married when they're gay. You know, how many, how many tens of thousands, hundreds, millions of lives have we ruined over value judgments mm -hmm. about people do with their personal decisions and their personal life? Yeah. You know, like I don't feel like those issues would exist if libertarians were in charge because we don't care. Well, why do you think we haven't seen really any significant libertarian governors, senators, et cetera? Um, because I think sensationalism always wins out. You know, libertarians have, a, you know, and of course I'm libertarian biased, but, you know, I think we have a far too rational, evidence-based, centrist, moderated, you know, and to a lot of people that sounds funny, we're the political extremes or whatever, but to us, it feels like, you know, you know, we have two moderate of opinions. The people who are getting attention are the people, you know, screaming on Fox News or screaming on CNN. Profits are bad. Profits are evil. You know, you know, extreme opinions tend to kind of grab the attention. The shiny object grabs the attention, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I think even I think you'd find even like John Stewart was, you know, even though, you know, he was he was someone that, you know, I watched a lot during my political enlightenment as I was coming to understand what I thought about the world and stuff. And I didn't always agree with what he said. But I like that his main message was, you know, we're ruining our country by polarizing it and, you know, by glorifying the people at the extreme ends of the spectrum as, a, you know, losing fat, losing sight of this idea that politics is not a, it's not Hollywood, it's not for entertainment, like it's not a game, like it's people's real lives and it really shouldn't be a big part of our lives, like it, it should just be there doing its job, doing its basic function. Like it does not need to be like a major part of our lives. Like it shouldn't be, you know? And because these extreme, you know, people make you feel like something's wrong, you know, you makes you feel like you need the government. Like they, they kind of are playing a marketing trick almost, you know, like mm. politics is just a big sales marketing game. You know, they make you feel like you need them. And to be fair, they do have a lot of power, you know? So it should be respected. It should be honored. It should be venerated. Um, but I think, yeah, it's gotten so polarized and so extreme that even in the Democrat and Republic parties, you know, the moderate voices are, are, are losing. Mm. And, and, you know, you could go down the political science rabbit hole. That's gerrymandering. That's, you know, who knows why that's really happening? Like why, why the country is polarizing so much? I think it's probably a mix of those answers, you know, media, gerrymandering you know but whatever's happening our country is polarizing you know and that makes it much harder to exist as a third party or a moderate hmm. what do you think a lot of the audience members that are going to listen to this are going to be entrepreneurs um 
But I think it really goes for anyone. Like you've been in government, around government, um, working with lobbyists. Um, what do you think the, for the average person, like what role should politics and keeping a tab on politics, like what role do you think that that should realistically play in, uh, in our lives? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think live a very small role, you know, like you said, like you're alluding to, you know, we do have to keep an eye on the government. We have to watch. Um, they have a lot of power. They can tax us. They can tell us what not to do. So we have to pay attention, right? But this just, this obsession with the daily news cycle and with, um, you know, like, you know, I think on both sides now are guilty of, you know, wanting to use the government to change the country the way that they see fit. And I think everyone's become obsessed with using this institution to turn the world into whatever they want to turn it into. Mm -hmm. um, and as libertarians, we're fundamentally opposed to that. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I just think that you know, life is really, you know, and, and, it, and it sounds, I feel like this should be more American than it is, but, uh, you know, American life is about the frontier. It's about exploration. It's about personal exploration. It's about physical exploration. It's about innovation. It's about progress. Like our country should be about things that don't have anything to do with government. We should be excited about rocket ships and new cars and new things that we're going to do and the greatness of humanity as a whole rather than Donald Trump, you know, like it just feels like we're dragging ourselves down so far mm. by being so obsessed with people who, you know, again, biased libertarian perspective, but what really should the government be doing for you day in and day out? Like you don't, you know, unless you work there, you know, why are you re reading in or checking in on the government every day, going there and giving them your time and attention? You know, like, why are you doing that? You know, uh, if it's in the pursuit of purely self-education and critical understanding, then I think on some level, that's good. You know, you're paying attention, but I think way too many people, um, you know, left or right, get caught up in just confirmation and hate watching and, you know, mm. you check it and, and you want to feel angry or, you know, you know, it's going to get you fired up and you like feeling that way. And I think, again, polarized, tribalistic, like call it whatever you want, you know, it creates this attitude of like us versus them, you know, and now you feel you're locked in this ideological battle for the heart of the country. Mm. You know, like every politician sells that message. This election is the most important election of our lives. Like, why do you think they're doing that? Do you think it's because they really believe that? Or do you think it's because... <laughs> They want you on the tip of their finger. They want you hanging on every word they say, you know, so that they can get your vote and get policies passed, advance their career forward or do whatever political game it is that they're playing. I mean, there's thousands of politicians across the country. It's, you know, naive to think they're all just pursuing the public good. You know, like there's a lot of corrupt politicians. There's a lot of bad, just bad politicians. There's a lot of one-issue politicians. They got elected to fix Medicare, and now they're voting on whether you can have a gun or not, you know? So, mm. you know, I just think we've given over so much to government that now it feels like we have to pay attention because they can tell you whether you can do drugs, what food you can buy, wear a mask or not, 
have guns or not. Like they're always going to have that power, you know, but we're giving it to them by obsessing over government and thinking that it can constantly solve whatever societal ill that we're facing, you know, mm. and right it's, now we're it, going through this social media thing and it's like, you know, it, it feels like an addiction to the 24 hour news cycle to that, whatever it does to your brain, whether it's dopamine or cortisol, even like I, I find myself going and being like, I don't want to go see what's on CNN or Fox news or OANN or whatever the site is. I don't want to go to it, but I find myself going to it to get my dose of whatever it does up in my brain. It scratches an itch of some sort. It doesn't make me feel good (laughs) ever. I mean, let's say 1% of the time maybe, but it's really astounding um, how little the benefit is from it. But, you know, we keep going back to it. And this, this leads me to my last thing that I'd like to wrap up with, but I just want to play devil's advocate with you for a second. So let's say that when you go on Facebook, right, there is a uh, subliminal thing happening to you that is literally addicting you to it. That is, that is out of your control. You don't realize is happening almost like being slowly poisoned and you're not realizing that you're drinking poison and slowly killing yourself. Right. Is that person that's slowly poisoning you, you're drinking this, this drink every day, but right. you don't realize it's, it's poisoning you. Who is responsible? Yes. Should I just inherently know, or is it that person that is giving me the drink and I don't realize uh, it's contaminated? Maybe that's not a perfect metaphor, but I think you see right. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I think it's close enough. And I think cigarettes are, you know, a decent enough example to look at, you know, and I think a lot of liability did depend on like knowledge, you know, if you know you have poison and you put not poison on it and sell it to people, that's already illegal. You you can't willingly misrepresent a product that you know is going to harm people. You can't, you can't do that. So I think the question comes down to is like, it's a big if, right? Like it's a big, like if you could, scientifically without a doubt prove that there was a consistent universal negative effect of social media like cigarettes like anyone that smokes cigarettes is going to get cancer it's proven done wrap it up we don't need to study it anymore smoking that combination of products will damage your body given enough times okay Mm -hmm. i just you know that's a and, and a lot of people there's people going back around now disputing that all oh, cigarette research went too far. You know, if you smoke a cigarette a couple of times a month, I'm not going to hurt you or whatever, you know? So I know researchers are still looking at that stuff. Well, what if you took this product out, you know, like they're still tinkering with it, you know, but I think that's for me where the issue would hinge, you know, like Facebook or these companies might have certain instances where something bad goes wrong or, something somebody gets hurt or whatever but i just not that your analogy is wrong i just think it takes such a big assumption in saying that there will ever be a universality of agreement that social media is bad for you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i just think that that would probably be my answer is that look if, if you could establish that and you could literally prove that it's like drinking poison then okay, maybe. I don't think it should be legal for Facebook to say, 
this is not poison. But guess what? Selling cigarettes is not illegal. You just have to put on the label, this could harm you, you know? So at worst, Facebook has to put a little warning up, like social media can be addictive. It can, can be bad for your mental health. It can cause depression. Like maybe what we need is just better messaging and cultural understanding around how to use social media. And like we were talking about with political media, like what is healthy? Like what's a healthy level of doing it? Like when sugar came out, you know, you, you, you can't put sugar in everything. You know, you couldn't just eat a cube of sugar all day, every day. Like that's it's going to kill you, you know? Mm. So it's not that you can't have sugar, but how much of it can you have? What's a healthy amount? Like, a, you know, again, we keep coming back to that theme, but it's, it's, we're all figuring it out in lifetime. The government doesn't have answers that we don't, you know, like they're not holding some report that says, here's exactly what social media does to you. And here's exactly how to fix it. They're just like us. They're sitting around going, oh, shit, what do we do? <laughs> you know, this right. seems like a messy situation. And, you know, when people are calling their offices and their constituents are freaking out, you know, they feel like, hey, I have to do something. You know, mm. I have to pass a law. I have to, you know, I have to address this issue in some way. But, um, you know, I, I, so I, I guess that's it. You know, I, I could go on, but I think, Hmm. establishing that something is like that for you is very difficult. It's a tall, um, it's a big mountain to climb to prove that. But what I, what I take from what you're saying is like, instead of investing so much energy and I'm mad that they said this, or they shouldn't be able to say that. And I should be able to say what I want to say. What I am more curious about now is like, what is the effects of ingesting the amount of media at the rate we are the type of media that we're ingesting, like what type of effects does that have on people's nervous system, generally speaking? Like if there's not studies out there, like I'd love to see some investment in yeah. that. And then let's just, like you said, just put it out there for people to know, like ultimately you can still smoke cigarettes. That's your right. choice. Right. But I think right now people generally know being on social media all the time is probably not good for me, 100%. but is it explicitly is it made explicit to folks of like, empirically, this is where your physio physiology goes when you consume right. a lot of this. Right. Um, I don't think that that's very clear for people now. And I, I think maybe that's part of where we're going is more clarity around how it's affecting us. I think it's a good example, but I mean, you know, I, I don't want to beat on the same parallels, but I mean, you could say the same thing about sugar. You know, you sell sugar to kids, but you know, what happens when the kid comes in to buy his 12th Reese's bar in a row? Do, are you legally allowed to tell him no? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's definitely some issues, you know, some constitutional mm. issues around that as well, you know, but I don't think it's necessarily Reese's responsibility to communicate to the child too much of this is bad for you. You know, like, I just don't think that it can entirely be that one company's responsibility to make sure that that message is communicated you know like if you were a conservative you'd say the government shouldn't parent my child well whose responsibility is it to teach the kid that too much sugar is bad parent parent okay so right it's like, you know it's that same thing it's like we as a society have to decide a libertarian's harp on personal responsibility for that exact reason it's like mm -hmm. you know you could just be lazy and sloppy and go 
I just want to freaking go through life and barrel through as much media and food and content and smoke as everything that I want. And I just want the government to tell me when I've had too much. <laughs> like that sounds terrible. I don't think anybody realistically thinks that way. You know what I mean? So I don't know why as a collective, we come up with this idea that, you know, Hey, the government's, you know, gonna, gonna, gonna help us set the right amount. I mean, I think, the companies certainly bear some level of responsibility. It's their product, right? Like you bear some level of responsibility, but like we can't just pin them and go, it's your job to make sure that people know this information. Like I just, I couldn't agree with a legal policy that, you know, holds them legally liable if people get addicted to it, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, cigarette companies still don't have that liability. And the messaging law had to change a lot, but still, I mean, you can't sue a tobacco company for getting addicted to tobacco. It's like. It says it's addictive. Out. Yeah. It says it right on there. It says it right on there. Or it's like sugar or something that doesn't have a label. You know what I mean? What a lot of vegetarians are saying is red meat, you know, should red meat packages have to put on there? This causes heart cancer. Mm-hmm. Should they have to? Should they be legally responsible if people get heart cancer because they ate too many steaks in their life? And like, this is where the libertarian view just at its core, it can kind of just very quickly cut to the issue, which is just like each man in this country is responsible for himself and should have total liberty to live his life the way he wants. And that's the beautiful thing about what our country is built on, right? 100%. Exactly. And it's like <clears throat> me as a person in today's day and age, like I feel like we have less excuses because you have the internet like you have a knowledge machine at your fingertips it's literally in your pocket yeah any given time you could just start reading about whether sugar is bad for you what right. does social media do to me is mm. tobacco bad for you do cigarettes give mm. you can't like right you know if you wanted answers to those questions even 30 years ago 25 when i was a kid you had to go to a library check out a book go ask someone wait till it came on the, like it was so much harder to get information about products today's day and age like from my perspective consumers don't have any excuses left like if you don't know about a product i don't know what to tell you like you can find anything on the internet and i think that's part of what libertarians harp is like it's very early. It's very, very early, you know? And I think sometimes as young people, maybe we forget everyone's online now, but and there's very, there's a wide range of digital literacy in the country, you know, still like there's a lot of people that are not super, super comfortable with it yet, you know, uh, with the web and a computer and, you know, Excel and, you know, you know, maybe stuff that young people are just like, Oh, I, I do that stuff all the time, you know, but, uh, for older people, it's still very intimidating, still very scary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what you feel too, is it's, you know, it's, it's a big new scary thing or whatever, you know? Yes. It's, it's hard for a lot of people to accept that it's gonna take time for society and individuals to take responsibility and, and, and guide this thing where we want it to go. Yeah, we gotta just let time pass and it's gonna run its course. If we don't let government get its tentacles into it, and if we can just resist that urge, it's going right. to run its course naturally. The companies that serve the public are going to keep serving the public. The ones right. that aren't, they're going to lo lose users, and it's going to run its course. But this, we can't trade the immediate gratification of getting what we want 
based on who's in power for the long-term detriment of our, our freedom, our liberty overall. 100%, man. Very well said. It's very well said. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's why me and you get along. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know you're right you know you don't you know the, mis- the information board is going to be controlled by a democrat and then a republican and then a democrat and then a republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's zero chance that it will be a neutral party that just evaluates information <laughs> yeah well we um i'm super excited that you came on here man this has been great um i know people can go and, and find you online and find your articles by going to the Reason Foundation and looking up your name. Um, and we would love to have you back on here sometime in the future as things kind of keep developing. Yeah, man. Let me know. I had a great time and I'll be very happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Spence. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Level 10 Podcast. You can head over to level10official.com to learn more about our courses, coaching, and everything else that we offer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Go out there and take it to the next level.